0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: Well, obviously you guys weren't here yesterday. We We spent, you know, three quarters of the show about talking about Jim Brown and his legacy. And mm-hmm. uh, I know you talked a little bit with Bernie and Mike Doss about it yesterday, but obviously wanted to give both you guys a few minutes to, to comment on the passing of Jim Brown.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had uh it was kind of strange because Jay had, I think he has either saw Jim Brown or, or he had known somebody that had saw Jim Brown. He said, you know, he was, you know, he wasn't looking too good. And, um, so that got my, our wheels already behind the scenes thinking, right? And, and so, you know, when it, when the timing and the news passed down, I think one of the the best things that I could say about Jim Brown is not only, you know, what he did on the field, but like he, what he did off the fields. Um, you know, I was watching on uh, YouTube, and, and as I he when he passed away, I, I went down and I was looking at some of his interviews, and he he was either talking, he was on a late night show, and he was talking um, to. Um, the governor of, I believe it was either Alabama, Mississippi, or Georgia, one of the, one of the three. Um, and he was just sitting there on this late night show. And just to give you the climate, you know, the climate where everything happened at that time, they was talking about segregation. Now at the time, segregation was part, you know, it was still going on. And the governor was saying that he was, he was against desegregating schools. And it was crazy because Jim Brown was sitting there and he was so articulate in debating a, a politician uh, about why it was ridiculous that segregation was still going on in schools uh, in the South. And I, it, it, to me, I really it, it really dawned on me that at the levels to different certain things. Right. Jim Brown was 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 talking about civil rights when you couldn't even drink from the same water fountain that's a whole different level like we talk about people kneeling for the flag and different things like that but here's a guy who was a football player that still had the ability to come out and say not only am i a great football player but i'm going to be able to be articulate enough to really sit down and debate civil rights and 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 what things need to be in this country and so when people used to tell athletes In early 2000s 2010s it was a really cool thing for people to just say shut up and dribble it was really it was really a thing where people felt comfortable in saying just stick to sports but sometimes that's why you got to go back and you got to check on your past and your history if you gonna tell me just stick to sports and I'm supposed to listen to that I got to go back and watch what Jim Brown was doing when he couldn't even drink from the same water fountains it wasn't no such thing as just sticking to sports that was his life that was his everyday life. He was he was a person that only was in it. He lived it. So I go back and watch that, and 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 you, I I just give so much upwards from respect and homage to what he did because he's he's able to have people like myself be able to say and talk the way I do with confidence because I know that certain times when you speak against certain things, it's not going to be it's not going to be liked in the moment. It's not going to be popular, but. You also have a right and responsibility to speak to those things. And Jim Brown was a pioneer uh, for all African-Americans, especially athletes, uh, being about being socially aware, socially active. So I really um, I really want to salute Jim Brown for that because he put us on, on the map doing that. Jason?
0: Yeah,
3: I spent a lot of time this weekend talking to former uh, teammates of his, people who knew him. I had to do a big story for The Athletic that ran yesterday. Uh, and I spoke to Jim Bailey, who was the... Brown, he was sort of Art Modell's right-hand man for a number of years, for really two decades in Cleveland and Baltimore. Talked to John Wooten. Uh, John played with Jim in Cleveland. He was, uh, he was really one of the Jim's close confidants. And he was a guy, when they assembled the Cleveland Summit, Jim called John and said, get, get the guys together. You, you know who to get. And when Jim retired from the Browns, he called John and said, tell the boys. You know i'm i'm this is going to hit in two days i'm giving you two days to tell the guys i'm not coming back and it was just sort of fascinating for me to dig into the story of how he really retired and why he really retired and jim bailey art's right hand man and i had never known this said that art told people he helped get jim the role in the running in dirty dozen Dozen. and and that's the role that ended up driving him out of the nfl so Art cost himself with that <laughs> yeah. in typical art fashion. And, and because Art had a lot of Hollywood ties, he came from the TV, had a big TV mm-hmm. background. And so Jim wanted to get into acting. And I think he had done one role prior to, but this is Art's version of it. Art told people that he helped Jim get that role. And then when filming ran long, Art was like, man, I got that role for you. And he was feeling pressure from Blanton Collier to get back, to get Blanton wanted him back. And Jim kept telling him like, listen, I'll be good for the games. It's just the practices. Like, I'm going to miss training camp, and I'm going to miss some practices. But the way John Woot described it to me was Jim said, I'll be ready to fly. Let's, You know, we'll, we'll fly when I get there, meaning I'll be in shape and, and we'll go. And that wasn't good enough for Art. And Art started threatening him, and J- you don't threaten Jim Brown. Dumbass. And Jim Bailey said, like, the only – Jim said that they were two of the most stubborn people he's ever met, and neither one was going to give on the other one. And so Jim said, well, you can't find me if I'm not there, so I'm out. And he could have played – you know, I talked to Walter – this is another good one. I talked to Walter Beach, who was another one of his former teammates, another one of the guys who was at the Cleveland Summit. And the Browns – Walter was 30 by the time he got to the NFL. He went to the military, went to college, played in the AFL. So he was 30 when he arrived in the the NFL. And the Browns were going to cut him. And uh, I think it was 64 they were going to cut him. And uh, Jim had nicknamed him Doc and said, Come on, Doc, let's go to practice. And Walter said, I just got cut. And Jim didn't believe him. <laughs> said, and no, Walter's didn't. like, oh, I'm sitting here cleaning out my locker. Like, what do you think I'm doing this for? And it was in the middle of two a days. It's back when they were doing two a days. And it was after them, I guess it was after the morning session before the afternoon session. And Jim said, Wait right here. And he went in Blanton's office, came back a few minutes later and said, Okay, come on, Doc, let's go to practice. <laughs> and, and, and Walter said, It was so surreal. He said, they're putting my stuff back in my locker. And no one ever told him he was back on the team. No one ever told him he wasn't getting cut. It was just understood. As long as Jim Brown was in Cleveland, Walter Beach was in Cleveland. The day Jim Brown retired, Walter Beach got a phone call. Don't bother coming to camp. You've yeah. been cut. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Hey, that, listen, that's crazy. That yeah. is, that's what we call. That's food. power. That's cool. But, yeah. but, but,
3: but, but G to your point about, you know, the role he played as an activist in, in moving forward, the civil rights movement. And, you know, I think it was John who told me, John and I had a fascinating conversation with him. I spoke to John for a couple hours. And John had a great career, worked in the front office with the Ravens, was the chairman of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. So he's done really well for himself. And, and John said, Jim, Jim told John, like, listen, we can't do these sit-ins, we can't march, but we have to be part of this. And that's where Jim came up with the Black Economic Union, mm-hmm. at the time the Negro Industrial Economic Union, And it was really a sort of bank because the black community couldn't go to the bank and get a loan to start Mm. small businesses so jim secured a million dollar grant from the uh ford foundation and it was sort of a it was sort of a bank for blacks who wanted to come in and start a business you could go to his company not just in cleveland across the country and you could open your own barber shop your own grocery store your own dry cleaner Mm. and jim pounded economics and education, economics and education. He said, what good is it if we have equal rights, if we can't afford to live in Shaker Heights and Cleveland Heights and some of these other places? What good is equal rights if we don't have the income and the means and the wherewithal in order to buy homes in those areas? And so that's where he started the AmeriCan and reformed gang members and got them as as members of society. And he brought one of his AmeriCan graduates, if you want to call him that, and jim bailey told me when belichick was here belichick would have jim come in and talk to the rookies and you know cleveland didn't have a great reputation at the time and they wanted to get the rookies in quick and they wanted to get these guys talking to uh what it's like to be a brown and how it can be good mm-hmm. and he said jim walked in and said you guys ain't nothing you ain't accomplished nothing and just <laughs> tore him apart and he said he brought this um, American graduate and it's just this little guy and he goes this guy's accomplished more than you have and Get off your high horse, and you ain't done nothing yet. You aren't entitled to anything. And you hear they're bringing in these former players to tell yeah. them how great the NFL is and how great Cleveland is. And Jim Brown just destroyed them all. You know, what's funny about that is because Leroy was on with us yesterday, mm-hmm. and
0: he made the, and he was pretty friends, pretty good friends with Jim Brown. That he was telling us how he played golf with them all the time. Would be him, Jim, and Lawrence Taylor, mm-hmm. and one other guy. I don't think he said who the other person was, but anyway, Leroy made the point of saying, uh, if you wanted a straight answer, if you wanted the truth, then you could ask Jim Brown anything, he'll tell you the truth. He'll tell you the truth. But if you're sensitive and can't handle it, it's to the point of what you just said. Jim Brown's the wrong person to ask a question to.
4: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Yeah, And I respect that. I love someone who's willing oh, to give you the honest talk. answer. Yeah, yeah. No matter how tough it is.
3: And John told me he doesn't want a funeral. There's not going to be, according to, to John Wooten, his right. close friend, there will be no funeral. So they were close friends to the end. Yeah. And the last time John saw him was at the NFL honors in February. Right. And, and he said, Jim Brown, Jim kept asking him, are you okay financially? Are you, are you okay? Do you need money? It's amazing. And, and John's like, man, I'm fine. Like I'm good. And, yeah. and John says that was Jim's way of saying goodbye. Mm, he knew that crazy. was probably the last time he was going to see his friend. Yeah. yeah. So he said, Jim wants to be cremated and have his ashes spread on St. Simon's Island in Georgia where he was born, and there's a a specific spot. His Mm. wife knows the spot, and he'll have his ashes cremated, or he'll he'll be cremated and have his ashes spread Mm. where he was born. The Browns will probably do something, uh, some sort of celebration of Jim later on. you got to have the number on the helmet, don't you? I would think they'll do a patch either on the jersey or the helmet helmet somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, they'll do something. I think the Browns will handle this right. The Browns have already been in contact with – John Wooten and some of those that were close to him. Right. There will be some sort of celebration of, of Jim, I think, at some point probably this summer. Yeah. A lot, of the, a lot of his teammates who are still here, let's be honest, there's not a lot of them no, left. sure. Right. Yeah. But the ones who were close to him will be here. And John told me they want to make this to the public. They want the, the public to be involved in that. Absolutely. So I should. think it's – I haven't talked to anyone with the Browns about that. It's still obviously very early. Right. But the no funeral thing was interesting to me. He did not want a funeral. He did not want any fanfare or anything right. like that. He just wanted to be cremated and have his ashes spread in Georgia. I'd love to see the thirty-two on the helmet on
0: the field. It,
3: I mean, you, I can make the case every jersey in the in the in the league should have a thirty-two patch on. I, it. I agree. You too. know what? This You're year. right. I agree. I mean, he meant yeah. that much. I
2: I mean, when you when you universally ask who, if, if you, especially if you get past forty. 50 years old 50 years old 50 yeah, years yeah. old you say who the best player ever they'll say Jim they'll Brown. say Jim Brown. and
3: one other interesting point in all this and again John was it was heavily John Wooten was heavily involved in the uh Fritz Pollard Alliance he was the chairman and that's of course trying to get more minorities and and coaches involved and he was upset that it took so long for them to name any sort of award after Jim and that's good point they now have the Jim Brown I've
2: the rushing rushing title. title. Thank
3: you. Yeah. They named the rushing title after him. And I didn't, I didn't get, it's just didn't fit in the story. And John was ecstatic for that. And he said, it's something that we banged on the league for years for to honor Jim in some way with some sort. And I said, well, do you think that they were slow just because of the personal stuff? And I mean, it's a complicated legacy and we can't just sweep that under the rug. And John said, no, he doesn't think it's that. He just thinks that the NFL has been slow to honor the black culture and the black players that came before him he said if you look at bill russell and the way that the nba has embraced bill and jackie robinson day and all yeah. of baseball that wears yeah. number 42 they never did that for jim and jim has always been sort of shoved in the corner he feels like in nfl right. history i do think it has a lot to do with some of the personal stuff that that went on and his mm-hmm. treatment toward women and he doesn't think it we just we disagree on that oh, but yeah. he just thinks that the nfl hasn't done a good yeah. enough job of honoring as a whole Jim Brown yeah. and what he's meant to the league.
0: By the way, last yesterday, we talked about him in the dirty dozen. Cause I love that movie.
3: I've never seen it. You've never seen it. Yes. I, uh, that's,
0: I got to watch it now. The scene would, well, I don't want to give it away. Give it away. Spoil it. It's years 60 later. years. old. you got to watch it. It holds I up. Will. I've watched it in recent years. It still holds up. It's, I mean, a great cast, and but you started to say Running Man, I think, right? Because yeah, yeah. he was in that too, and I yeah. mentioned that yesterday. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Jim Brown movie, actually. You've never seen Running Man either? No. Oh, my no. God. you got to see both of those. That's a little dated, but still, it's great. Great cast in both. All right, Mikey, go ahead.
1: It is officially 1206, which means we have entered the lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, and as always, the lunch hour is brought to us by Colleague Companies Championship. July 12th through the 16th at the famous Firestone Country Club. There is fun, family-friendly events all week long featuring a brand-new fan zone experience, free attendance for kids, and concerts every night. Something for everyone. Check them out at CollingGolf.com. We have Tom Hamilton, the legendary. Yeah. I think we
0: got to blow, blow off that Cavs topic today, right?
1: Yeah, we can do that another day. Yeah, so I you want spend a few time. minutes on the Guardians instead?
0: Yeah, I want to get a couple minutes on the Guardians before Tom Hamilton, but I got there's one there's this pet peeve that's been bothering me that i got to share. Shoot. And I want to know if you guys agree with me. I hate when I go like today it happened I went through a drive-through mm-hmm. okay and my food was whatever it was mm-hmm. and they're like, do you want to uh, uh, raise it up to uh, round, up. round up to uh, ten dollars to uh, give money to kids for school like how am I supposed to say no to that? Oh, I say no. <laughs> just no. you see when it's in the, when they, has no problem when they nah, do it cool. at like when they do it at Walgreens and I just got to push the button yeah. at least if I say no it's anonymous in the drive thru we're going no I don't want those kids to go to school screw them <laughs> yeah
2: like I'm see, like yeah it okay.
0: depends
3: where I'm at and it depends on how good their sale is yeah right their sales pitch because sometimes I think is it really going yeah it's going know. to some corporate exec I, I
0: don't know like you know, it's not the the 40 cents that you're giving. It's the principle of the thing. Like, I'm a su- like I'll
2: donate to who I want to donate to. I'm a sucker for, like, if it's, like, if it's a little kid or, like, they'll come up to you and be like, yo, do you want to buy this candy for this? And I'm like, yeah, I'll just buy the whole box of something stupid. Or back in the day, it'd be like, yo, if it was a girl that was selling something, they could sell me anything. I don't care. Like, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm just standing here looking. Now, Now, no, I'm not doing that. Um, Now I'll be like, no, nah, I can't do that, dog. You you gotta really have a sales pitch, and you really gotta do it in a smooth way for me to just accept that. But I'm not gonna be doing it in no a yeah. drive-through. Yeah, well, well, I got I got snookered into oh, it. Oh, you
0: but. got the drive-through? They got you? Yeah, they got me. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, All right. Well, before
3: people think I'm heartless, we do yeah. sponsor we sponsor a little boy in Mexico. Oh, there you go. Our, our family. Does.
2: <laughs> So uh, we you, do you, okay. you up we underneath do. that you under the, uh, so you him over? the br- umbrella No, you bring we, him over to live in the house.
3: No, 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 we just pay for his housing. Yeah, and, yeah okay. Yep. And See, that's cool. So yeah, it, my, good. it's it's uh, yeah, it's we
2: just that's we blanket. did it
3: previously and we're doing it again. It's really important yeah. for my daughter and son and everything. So,
2: so, okay. So, you know, now that Jason said that yeah. I, I do uh, matter of fact, we sponsor families during uh, Christmas mm. for toys and stuff. You know, they yeah. get the list of families. So uh, <coughs> McNuggets, what do you do? I'm not sponsoring <laughs> nobody. Screw that.
1: Until last year, I was literally making minimum wage and I yeah. barely sponsored myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> you want to <laughs> know what living in pot? Well, not that far. That's like it carried six, away. Six
2: months ago, me and McNuggets, was, up was, we had to sponsor. We, we but, was looking for sponsors. People,
1: real quick, dude. What you, yeah. My sixth year in TV was last year in Texas. What do you think I was making? My sixth year in TV?
2: Six year sixth in year Texas. In TV. Shouldn't we talk about salaries? Well, All no,
1: because now I make well, regular person money. Yeah,
2: he can feed himself. Congratulations, I like that. Yeah. Wait. um, please don't say it was under twenty-six.
1: I, my first salary was twenty-two. Mm. I was making thirty-one thousand in Texas in my sixth year in TV.
0: Dude, you say that as if like that's no money. There's people that make less than that. That's what I'm saying. It's not. That's cr- like
1: that's almost yeah, 20, is 20,
2: 20, twenty-two is closer to the poverty line.
1: As you dro- as I drove to work every day, I passed Dairy Queen, yeah. and they had the uh, fry cook, like yeah. help that yeah. was making more money than I was making on TV. Yeah, well, and good for people in fry cook. I'm just saying, I, went, I, I made a lot I less than myself. that in my first I was, job. I was, so. I was unable to afford to sponsor anyone else besides All right. myself. My
3: first job, I was yeah. still in Kent. I was still I had one semester left, and I was yeah. working full time at the Morning Journal Lorraine, mm-hmm. covering Ohio State. I was making twenty-two thousand dollars a year, making four twenty-five a week. I thought I was rich. You thought was, you was rich? Year was oh. that? Two thousand in two thousand. I'd go to, I'd show up at Ray's on a Thursday night in tent with five hundred dollars. I felt like I felt like Donald Trump in there. With $500. And five hundred dollars. By the way.
2: So here's the funny part about that: when you're in college towns, right? When you drink a lot and you party a lot, they know who you is. So you've been going to these places forever. So you start getting hookups. So you just say you want to open a tab. Hell yeah, I want (laughs) to open a tab. You run that boy all night. You get that bill. That bill might be 150 might be 160. Man, I did that one time on accident in a regular city. I, mean, I had to call people. Hey, dog, I need that Western <laughs> Union, dog. It's Like thousand dollars. This dude hit me with the nine eighty six. I, I said, I just had some Jack and Diet. That <laughs> they say, Nah, bro. Them you bought all them martinis yep. and sexes on the beaches, all for them girls. Them was thirty five dollars a drink. You didn't even know it. Never run a tab in a city, and you feel, you realize that it's a whole different economic level from college to regular people, adult life. You go in there and drink one beer. Beer be like twelve dollars. Mm. By the way, when I see the them selling
0: them Boy Scout cookies or Girl Scout cookies in front of the store. I ain't buying that crap. Why not? Cause I'll buy it from people I know, like family and friends. I'm not buying from some random stranger.
1: Girl Scout cookies definitely have crack in them. I, like, they, I do. Will agree. They, they do. I agree. They definitely. Plus, I'm anti-Boy crack.
0: Scouts anyway. Uh, do-
3: the, so. be, the best cookies, the tagalongs, the peanut butter. Yes. I, those, those are. I don't They're like so good. You, can, you can get them. Like the exact same cookie for like a dollar a dollar they got them at
2: like. It's $50 such a it, i think
3: it's like mark or aldi's or something my, my wife
2: found them it's uh, you, if i gave you a tag along uh, and this thing next to each other hey, you couldn't tell the difference and then i put them i put all my cookies in the freezer so my i put all my cookies in the freezer i put them in there with the thin mints and it's mm. devastating bro you can't like they go down so smooth like they, you're like i'm only gonna eat three a day and yeah, they right. do eat the Three whole Three boxes row, a day. The whole yeah. row. You know beyond. what I like?
0: The, fu- the, the Keebler fudge stripe cookies. Yeah. You ever have those? Oh, yeah. yeah those mean, those are good, I was sponsored <laughs> by them at
1: five. They so <laughs> That's He was eating uh, in the bathroom <laughs> when
0: he
3: wasn't eating Doritos. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> on the morning call, you said you wanted to talk specifically about the game. Yeah, we did Tom a little bit on. earlier.
0: My biggest po- t- point was what we referenced earlier was that I, I know Mike Zanino hit a home run yesterday, but to me, he's shot as a ball player. You hoped he'd be an upgraded catcher. Somehow he's not been. I mean, Austin Hedges stinks too. Uh, he's pl- by the way, he's still playing every day for Pittsburgh, pretty much. Uh, but he's no good. And Bo
3: Nailer's time is now. I don't know why they're continuing to wait. Well, at this point, now you might as well wait until the Super you know, twos out of the know. way. You've waited this long, yeah. You, you and that's why? that's coming. I don't know the
2: exact date, but it's got to be close. This is yes. the, this is the the downside to Tito. It ain't it ain't even a downside. It's just like you just know what it is. So. Like if Tito get see you like look like you trying to get out of a slump it look like you battle he loves battling. He's like, Yeah, battle back, hit yeah. a couple home runs. Now all of a sudden that bought him three more weeks. Like <laughs> yeah, I said last when he threw the <laughs> runner
3: out at second, I turned around and said that just yeah. got him six more Run weeks.
1: Around. Did you guys see Brennan hit the bird yesterday, by the way?
3: Yes. You know what? I was there and I didn't even realize
0: I it. didn't
1: know I was I, I didn't even
0: notice it And and I, I didn't see till- much of the game yesterday, like I said, because I was out, so I was listening to a lot of it on the radio. But when I went back and looked at the highlight of it, I could really couldn't see that I couldn't it that see well. it
1: until someone tweeted out this angle this morning. Did he implode it? It's going to be small for you guys, but yeah. watch it, and it, it, it highlights the burst. Steve, you can take it, and he can play it.
0: Yeah, we can't, can't see, see that. I can't see that. They'll,
1: they'll highlight it. Hold on. They they do a little highlight. See that black dot? Boom, black I didn't dot no blacker there.
2: Oh,
0: I saw that little Why has it look? got the shady stuff on the side there? What is with that? It Oh yeah
1: that, it's it means it's a, a cell phone recording and uh, it's not the full yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But it did hit a bird. You yeah, I'd see he, that he little black dot that black dot is no longer and eyes his, than did I. Did you see
1: his response though? I did. Will, Will he, Brennan. Give me Will Brennan, sweet aunt. Will Brennan he looked tweeted sad. at PETA and apologized. Earl called him a murderer last night. I, I woke up to all wow. these texts saying Earl. your favorite player is a murderer. And it turns out he just killed a bird unintentionally. Anthony, where's this tag board? What are the odds of that, man? Anthony <laughs> forgot to load it into the tag board, give <laughs> us a second. Now, I'm on, gonna call Anthony. I said it to him this morning, I said, Anthony, make sure we got his response hey,
0: so, Anthony, pull it together. You, hey, he forgot four times to bring the heads. The the the, the
2: pause. <laughs> what did <he> say? <laughs> These heads. <laughs> yeah, These pause. heads. I, I'm uncomfortable These with like, with men giving me bringing me heads of stuff. I don't <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Um and you know, and then he pulled
0: a Randy Johnson. What did Will Brennan say? Well, he tagged PETA.
1: Yeah, will you read it? I'm going to make yeah. sure Tom Hamilton is all set up because I just see back in the queue. But there he, he tagged PETA. I'm we truly sorry. An unfortunate sacrifice.
3: And I'm thinking, buddy, don't poke the PETA bear. Hey, look. I, look. Like, I think it's funny, whatever, but. Peter Peter be pouring blood on you. So
2: like this was he trying to be funny? I I assume he was was trying to be serious behind the scenes. No, he's trying to be funny. Behind the scenes, behind the scenes, I've I've been told there are five, and I'm not even gonna name the groups. I'm not even gonna say nothing. There are five groups that you don't mention and you don't act like they even exist. I know one of them. Yeah, man. I know. Anthony Lima felt they yeah, were at The bicycle I, people. I, I didn't say don't nothing. Don't mess with bicycle people. I, listen, I uh, love all people. I love all people. You don't remember that yeah. when Lima yeah. made a joke about no, no, no. bike lanes and hitting a biker and we, we, people went we, bananas. We don't condone that. We love bicyclists. We like helmets and everything. And we like birds. I'm all not right. messing around with nothing. We got Tom Hamilton coming we on. We do. And, go and we're ahead. going to the I guest
1: guess. hotline and the guest hotline today is brought to us by Lorraine County Community College. Your class is your future. Register now for summer and fall classes you can learn more at lorraineccc.edu you just heard my voice which does not even come anywhere close in comparison no, to the legendary tom voice. hamilton's <laughs> i feel bad introducing tom with such a terrible voice for an average, but there is the legendary tom hamilton joining us now on the ultimate cleveland sports show what's up tom
2: hi guys how are you tom good, tom do you have any people that send you demo tapes like you're so good yes. at your job do people send you demos and say do i have a chance
5: Yeah, you know, especially um, you get young guys that are maybe, you know, doing college games or minor league games or whatnot. So, you know, you're always happy to listen to those and offer any advice if you can or if they want advice or are looking for, you know, any tips. I mean, to me, that's always the least you can do is, you know, try to help the next generation coming up because we're all there at one time. What do you You do if
3: they're terrible? (laughs)
5: <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> he hired someone like you to call him back and say that was horrible that was trash yeah.
0: have you tried to be <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: that could be awkward yeah. <laughs> hey Tom uh, last night uh, one of the many things I love about your broadcast style. I'm listening to the end of the game with you I was driving home listening to the game and I feel like way too many hometown announcers if there's a bad ball strike call in favor of their team never admit that and in the bottom of the 8th i can't remember now if it was Rosario or Ramirez that santos threw a pitch and he thought it was strike 3 and you and you said yeah they missed the call i feel like so many hometown announcers won't do that and i really appreciate your honesty because I think that's what announcers should do. And I love it that you do that.
5: Well, I appreciate that. Um, thank you so much. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, and I think I've gotten better as I've gotten older as far as, you know, too many times early in my career, I think I was way too critical of umpires. And, you know, these guys are the best at what they do. They're trying to do the right job. And a lot of times we may think it was the wrong call. We find out that it was the right call. But, I mean, they're going to miss calls. I mean, they're human, and sometimes your club's the beneficiary of that, and sometimes you're on the other end of that spectrum. But, I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's been said time and again, there might be a rare exception, but very seldom does it come down uh, to one call. Now, I I could make an exception about Joe Brinkman in game six (laughs) of the 95 World Series, you know, When the plate went from 17 to 22 inches and it was that way from inning number one, uh, Cleveland was in trouble with Tom Glavin on the, on the mound for Atlanta. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's usually the guys wearing the uniforms that are going to decide whether you win or lose, not the ref or not the umpire.
0: Tom curious uh, with the new rules this year, I know as a fan, I enjoy the speed of the game as Mm -hmm. a broadcaster who's been calling games for a long time, how much of an adjustment has it been for you because the pace is quicker? How tough has that been, if at all?
5: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, From a radio standpoint and having done college basketball on TV for 25 years, I felt like I had a a feel for how it was to do television too. Television, you can talk over certain plays or pitches or whatnot because – the camera is providing the play-by-play. So if your partner has something to say, you don't need to interrupt them and say, here's the pitch. Right. Or, you know, here's the shot or whatever the case might be. A lot different in radio. And so it's been a lot tougher, in my opinion, for Rosie and I to have as much back and forth. If Logan Allen's on the mound, you're lucky to say, here's the windup and the pitch. He's, he's <laughs> almost winding up and delivering when he's gotten the throwback from the catcher so I, I definitely feel on radio it it has been an impact now i don't know how matt and archie feel about it on tv but again you can talk over uh, yeah what's going on because you can see what's going on on radio if, if you're talking over and missing plays or pitches or whatnot um you know that's a disservice to your listeners and so oh, wow. it's it's been quicker it uh I don't think we've lost anything. I know some people feel like the game is too fast. I don't get that. All we've done is is cut out dead time. That's I right. mean, I, I'm trying to remember, guys. Was last night 2:06 or yeah. I mean, we had a 2:06 game Sunday night in New yeah. York. I think that's what it was last night. Yeah, whatever it was, 2:15 or whatever. Um, that's the way it should be if that yes. if there isn't much scoring. There wasn't. There weren't many hard-hit balls. And um, so why should that be a three-hour game? You know the thing? I don't know that it's been talked about a lot, guys, and I may be dead wrong. My feeling is the pitch clock has impacted the last three innings of the game more as far as who's pitching them. Those guys that were pitching in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and still are, are guys that were trying to maximize velocity. And so they took as much time as they could between pitches so they could throw 97 or 98 or whatnot. I mean, how many times did we say, man, the game was flying along until the bullpen got involved. And they were the guys that were the slowest workers, especially your closer. I think the element we've added to our game this year, and I like it, I don't think the last part of the game is as predictable as it was anymore. You're not seeing as many, okay, it's the ninth inning, this game's over, you might as well turn the radio off, turn the TV off, go to bed. It's not the case. Yeah. Emmanuel Klasse leads baseball with 16 saves, yet he's had five blown saves. Right. I don't want there to be no drama at the end of the game. There's nothing better than comebacks in the last innings. Look, we were on the wrong end of it in New York, where you had the lead in every one of those ball games, or had a chance to win every one of those games until the Mets won them in the eighth inning or later. That's the element of the game I thought we were losing. I thought the end of games had become so predictable because the bullpens were so dominant before the pitch clock. I don't think that's the case this year. Yeah,
3: I agree. Tom, I was there last night. I was trying to write a column on Zanino and Josh Bell and how they've been a disappointment in free. the free agents just haven't lived up to the paychecks that they're cashing. And I was three-quarters of the way through the column, and I'm typing and typing and typing, and Mike Zanino goes, boom! and hits a two-run homer in the seventh or eighth. And I looked at Zach Meisel, and I closed the laptop with one finger, and I said, well, this one's going to have to wait a couple of days. But, I mean, obviously, Zanino has struggled quite a bit this year, both behind the plate hmm. and at the plate. How long do you think the leash is? And how long until – is Bo Naylor a, an option at this point? Even Chris Antonetti yesterday said before the game, it's been a disappointment, it hasn't gone – The way that they anticipated and chris is never really critical of anyone so for him to even say that i thought okay well maybe the clock really is ticking now
5: i think at some point it is jason but i think the clock is always ticking on everybody in the game i don't think it matters um the one thing i I know it's trite but you've heard it time and again with baseball and i'm sure you could say it about other sports too look the train is always moving Uh, you either get on the train or the train passes you by and so, I don't care who the player is. Um, at some point, teams run out of patience. Now, I think with Mike Zanino, you know, he only played 30 some ball games last year. That's a very serious surgery that he had because you're cutting into muscles, you're cutting into all that area, ligaments, and whatnot, when you have that thoracic outlet syndrome surgery to improve your circulation. Now, maybe it is on his non throwing arm, but. You know, anybody that throws a ball knows that front shoulders, your lead shoulder. That comes into play when you throw the baseball or if you're throwing a football. I mean, a quarterback can't have a bad left shoulder and still be a good thrower if he's right-handed. So I think with Mike Zanino, they're trying to be as patient as they can, knowing he is still not back 100% and that it's still a work in progress. I think he's gotten better at blocking balls in the dirt. Um, he threw a runner out last night, which is the first he's done in a while. Uh, again, when when these guys have the track record that they have, they're going to get more of a leash. You're going to be a little bit more patient with them. But Bull Naylor is going to make a case to be up here pretty soon. Yep. And so the good thing is, is that you might have somebody if you have a need in that position. And so uh, I'm curious to see what last night does for Mike. If this maybe really gives him a jump start and gets him back to being the player that he's been throughout his career. But, um, you know, again, I think we know who the catcher of the future is here in Cleveland.
2: You know, Hammy, you talked about the the train moving. And, um, you know, when you look at the right field position, you know, last year, it looked like the, the Guardians had found, you know, an Oscar Gonzalez, you know, their long-term answer out there. Um, But this year, Will Brennan has been playing um, well. He's been mixing into that that, uh, rotation. Do you think – how do you think this ends? Who is the real long-term answer? And how long do you think the platoon will still go on with, you know, two young players?
5: That's a great question. Um, Again, with young players, you have to be patient. And I I think what we found here when both Oscar and Will were here – There's just not enough at-bats. I think for young players more so, obviously, than a veteran who's maybe near the end of the line, they've never sat their entire life. I mean, let's face it. If you're Will Brennan or you're Oscar Gonzalez, you've been the best player on the team since you were able to put on a pair of pants and and play T-ball or Little League or wherever you may have started. You've never sat. You've never sat in the minor leagues because you're a prospect that needs to play. You get up to the major leagues, the toughest level there is, and now they're telling you, hey, he might only play once or twice this week. Uh, that It was an adjustment that Oscar Gonzalez couldn't make. He needed to go to Columbus and get the advance that he's getting now to get back up here and be maybe that power threat that we thought he was going to be. The problem right now for Oscar is it's not happening in Columbus either. And mm-hmm. so to me, that's an even bigger concern. Um, for Will Brennan, its it, it hasn't been a great start, but he's had better at bats there, you know? And again, I know it's a result-based business, but sometimes you can tell when a guy, when the game is starting to beat him up, and that's what they felt like with Oscar Gonzalez, that he was just kind of overwhelmed and beaten before he got to the plate. Will Brennan has had much better at bats, even though he, he doesn't have great numbers, that Will Brennan is going to get more time out there. But as you're seeing... Gabriel Arias is a guy, they feel like they've got to have him in the lineup. I think Gabby, uh, Gabby, I know it's Gabriel, but we, we, he is called Gabby. He's the point that I think you're also making in that he's got to play. I think his time is right now to be playing every day or close to it. He's the best shortstop on the club, even though you've got a good one in a Rosario. So I think you're going to see Arias get a lot more at-bats at various positions on the diamond, but... Uh, Tito talked about Arias on the road trip and he was like, this is a guy we cannot get impatient with because that light is going to come on. And when it does, he's got a chance to be special.
0: Tom, where where the, the lineup and the bullpen have struggled, the rotation seems to be really settling in right now. Bybee's been very good. Logan Allen's been very good. We know Bieber hasn't been at his best this year, but he's coming off a good start against the Mets. We know he's not going anywhere at the moment. We know Quantrill's in the rotation. That's four certain spots, okay? Went, and we got uh, uh, McKenzie and Savali both getting close to coming back, and Gavin Williams is just dominating in the minors. It's a good problem to have. What is your? What do you think by the time we – assuming guys are healthy, and it probably won't be because somebody else will get hurt or whatever – but assuming all these guys stay healthy at this point, what's your best guess as to what this rotation looks like second half of the season?
5: Ooh. It's tough. I didn't, prep. I didn't prep enough for this show. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are good questions, guys. No, I, I think I'm, I'm going to start with Gavin Williams, Bull. Yeah. First off, the reason we haven't seen Gavin Williams is twofold. One, they don't want to rush him. You know, sure. he's only made four AAA starts, I believe it is. To your point, he has dominated every level Ooh. he's been at in the farm system. Completely overmatched hitters. Yeah. They still want him to get better at all of his secondary pitches because right now in the minor leagues, he can beat them with two pitches. Sometimes you have to come to the major leagues and get beat up because you're only throwing two pitches to get that point that, hey, okay, you got to go back and work on your curveball and changeup as well. Yeah. But – that's one thing. He needs more time. He's not on the 40-man. So when you move him to the 40-man, you've got to be moving him to stay, not just moving him to come up here for one or two starts. Right. The other thing that I think is also holding Gavin Williams back right now, they have to find out about the two guys you mentioned that should be back right at the end of this month or the 1st of June, Tristan McKenzie and Aaron Savali. They're going to get the first opportunity. So you're going to have Shane Bieber You're going to have Logan Allen, you're going to have Tanner Bybee in that rotation, and then you're going to get Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie here within the next 10 days to two weeks. That is then when decisions are going to be made because guys are going to have to, again, perform. We we just got talking about how long are you patient with certain guys. This is now a great situation to have where you guys like Bo Naylor, and Gavin Williams, they're they're knocking on the door, and they're not going away. And so what I think is, and, and you know, then last night, Hunter Gaddis came out of nowhere. We've never seen Hunter Gaddis as good as he was last night, but that also shows you the potential that he has, because he did it against a ball club that was red hot coming into last night's ballgame. Look, guys, you cannot have enough starting pitching. We all know that. Uh, I think as, as disappointing as the start has been, in one sense it's been remarkable that you're talking about the starters actually being pretty good. You're also talking about it with three rookies in the rotation right now True. because Zach Plesak's not here and we know about Savali and McKenzie. M- remember guys a couple of years ago when you lost Bieber, Savali, and Plesak? Season was over. You You were never able to recover from that. The fact that this club is able to kind of almost kind of you know, um, almost dog paddle and and stay afloat here without going under until you get all your starters back is, is saying something about the future. So I think the second half of this year obviously gets very interesting. The Shane Bieber topic is going to be there all season long. Um, you can't avoid it. You know, Shane's heard it. From what I understand now, obviously, I couldn't hear the, the ESPN telecast on Sunday night since we're also doing the game, but um, the word was, I heard from people that when they did talk about Cleveland, their talk was about Shane Bieber and would he be traded and who might he be traded to. Right. You're going to continue to hear that because Shane Bieber has, in essence, a year and a half left before he's a free agent at the end of 2024. And so I think that comes into the equation as well.
3: Tom, is there any concern over Clause? A? The peripheral numbers, the saves, obviously, are yep. there. But you mentioned the blown saves. The, the velocity hasn't been there at times this year. Is there any concern with him at all, or is it and, he's going to be fine? And, Tom, you mentioned no, – in fact, it reminded me what Jason was saying this because on the
0: broadcast last night, you made the point of saying how his strikeouts are way down this year.
5: hmm That has been yeah. one concern. You know, he, the one thing, guys, which to me is astounding, for a guy that can throw 100 miles an hour and a slider – He's never been a big strikeout guy. No, However, no. he was a strikeout in inning last year. Now, a lot of guys, like when Karen Karinczak was going good last year, he averaged two strikeouts in inning. Right. Klausé's never been that guy. I've, I don't know why guys put the bat on the ball with him, with the kind of stuff he has. But they worked with his arm swing a little bit. That was a little bit shorter than it had been. That's why they felt like he had lost some velocity. Yet he's still throwing 98 miles an hour, and then throwing sliders last night at 93 miles an hour. The biggest thing Tito said, we talked about it uh, in his office last night, Klaus say he's been off just this much. And again, it shows you how good these guys are in the major leagues, that he's off just this much, and that makes him more hittable than he was a year ago. It's all about location with him. He, He got ahead the other night, 0-2, and he hung a slider. And, you know, the ball was hit out of the ballpark, and so he When he's made a mistake, you know, he's gotten hit. He hasn't been quite as sharp as a year ago, but no, I, I know some people are worried that his velo's is down maybe two miles an hour. They feel that's due to the arm swing and some of the mechanics of his delivery. I thought last night he looked as good as we've seen him. Um, I think Tito commented after the ball game. I haven't talked to Tito yet today, but uh, he said he threw that slider like he was angry and, you know, Emmanuel Class A isn't used to to having blown saves, so no, um, I think the you know the other thing too is as Tito mentioned, we have had 23 one run games. Mm-hmm. every night, there's you're one mistake away from getting beat because you haven't been able to open up games. I mean we scored three runs last night. And that felt like a big lead going into the late it innings, did. and you know that that's part of the problem. You just yeah. when is the last time this ball club? I thought we were going to have it Friday night, but when's the last time they went into a game late, up six to one, seven to one, and it was kind of like automatic? Just hasn't happened. I can't no. remember. No,
2: you know, no. along that uh, that line of train of thought, um, when you look at it as far as the power numbers are concerned. Um, do you think does Tito think that they'll eventually, you know, get themselves to be middle of the road or are they planning for this being the long haul? Like, Hey, this is what we are. We're going to just define mm-hmm. different ways to win some ball games.
5: Well, they have to get better. Um, you know, they, if you can't win this way, you just, you, you can't win never hitting home runs again. Look the, it's a one nothing game last night going into the late innings. We don't know how that turns out. It sure seemed different with a two-run home run, didn't it? I mean, it's just amazing what a two- or a three-run home run does late in the game, something we just kind of haven't gotten used to because it hasn't been happening around here. Um, if they don't hit for more power, it's going to be a struggle all year offensively. And I think, you know, Ahmed Rosario is not going to be a power hitter. But he's starting to hit. The, the guy that has to come around is Andre Jimenez. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy doesn't have to hit 25 home runs. But, you know, he's just really trying to do too much this year. We have really missed his bat that we had a year ago. Um, Josh Bell, you know, obviously has not hit for a lot of power. He's walking a lot. He's getting some big hits. But, you know, we're not seeing maybe 25 or 30 home runs from that position, uh, I don't know where the power is going to come from. You know, again, you kind of, I hate to always fall back on last year, but in some ways last year was kind of magical. Every time you brought somebody up, they got hot for a week or so. It was unbelievable yeah. to have 17 guys make their major league debut, and it seemed like every one of them played well for a week or two as soon as they got up here. Um, you missed that power of Oscar Gonzalez that we talked about. That threat of winning a game or blowing a game open with one swing of the bat. We just don't have that right now. Josh, you know, if you're going to count on Josh Naylor to hit 40 home runs, you're going to be disappointed. And if he tries to hit 40 home runs, he's going to have a bad year. Right now, I don't see a guy on this ball club outside of Jose Ramirez that's a 30 home run guy. So, you know, hopefully we get more power. I think we have to get more power from whom you have here It doesn't have to be guys hitting 30 or 40 home runs, but I think what you've got to see are, you know, more guys hitting 15 to 20 home runs, and so you have more of a threat up and down the lineup. Look, guys, the power is either here or you don't have it. This is what you have offensively, unless maybe an Oscar Gonzalez gets hot or whatnot, or if you make a trade and you try to get a hitter in that trade, which means you're going to be giving up pitching, to get that kind of a bat and I I don't know how many people are going to trade you that that bat what you need to do is find a matchup if you feel like you have a surplus of starting pitching you need to find another team that has a surplus of power bats and is in need of pitching otherwise it's the guys that are here they either get it done or they don't
0: yeah I think they need to get a power hitting right fielder and frankly a platoon partner for Naylor because I just don't want him playing against lefties that can, you know, hit some home runs against lefties. We'll see. Last thing, Tom, the obviously, not just the American League Central, both Central divisions are absolutely <laughs> atrocious. But specifically on the American League Central, is this as bad as you've seen it? Because, I mean, it feels like the Guardians have lost every night for the last month, and yet they're three games out of first. I mean, I don't think anybody's yeah. that good in this division.
5: I, I'm I'm really surprised. Um, I, I might be beating the drum for no reason, I still think Chicago on paper is a really good ball club. I think in Pedro Grafal, they've got a guy that can be a really good manager and um, you know, they've been playing better as of late. You know, they, they still are a little banged up. They just have a hard time staying healthy, but in Luis Robert, I think you have the next superstar in our game that maybe not enough people realize how special he is in Tim Anderson at the top of their order. You've got a guy that's a perennial batting champ contender, and he's already won a batting title, and, and he's one of the most electric players in the American League from an offensive standpoint. Their starting pitching is really good. They have so many power arms in their bullpen. I, I don't know why. You know, they got off to such a horrific start. They were 14 and 28. That, that's a That's a chasm to try to dig yourself out of. But don't discount the White Sox. Yeah. Um, they, they still have way too much talent for this to continue. Obviously, it's Minnesota, uh, the other team that you mentioned, along with Cleveland, because I know Detroit's been a surprise. We'll see. In um, Kansas City's just having a really tough start. So I thought the division was going to be better. And quite honestly, we're lucky it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, Tom, you're
0: the best. We appreciate it as thank always. You, thank James. you for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always appreciate fun. It. Tom Hamilton thank he you. He's the best. Hey, the I All love fans. listening to him All on the radio.
3: I mean, it's, it's such phenom- a pleasure, and he's as good of a guy yeah. as he is an announcer. Phenomenal
0: guy.
2: He, he can do 35, 40 minutes easy.
3: Don't even, he? Didn't even
2: seem like it was no. Yeah, I
0: mean, he's, I just it's come out smooth. He's so good to listen to on the radio. I love being in the car and throwing
1: it on. It's
0: yeah. just, um. Anyway, go ahead, Mikey. We
1: got one more Calling Company's championship read, so if you want to see your favorite golfers at the famous Firestone Country Club, you can do so July 12th through the 16th. There are family-friendly events all week long for everybody, including a new fan zone experience, free attendance for kids and concerts every night. There is something for everyone. That's a calling guarantee. You can learn more at CalligGolf.com. We got about 20 minutes to wrap up here. Yeah. And, Bo, you were asleep. You already mentioned it. Jason, myself, Girl, yeah. Anthony was watching something else, but we stayed up to watch the game for Lakers Nuggets.
0: Yeah, I've been locked into these series guys, but I was like, it's 3-0. oh. I'm they're tired. Both over. I'm not staying up for yeah, they're it. They're both over. So but I know it was a close game, uh, and you know, LeBron had a chance at the end. But I'm curious for your take. Did you watch it too, G? No. Okay. So I'm curious for your take, Jason. It's done. Um LeBron had a magnificent first half. He looked like vintage LeBron yeah. for 24 minutes. And then he, he ran out of gas in the second half. Is this the beginning? Is this, Was this series the beginning of the end finally for LeBron?
3: I mean, he said afterwards he's yeah. thinking about retiring. And, you know, my buddy Dave McMenamin caught up with him after, as yeah. he was leaving the arena, walked out with him, and LeBron said, yeah. Now, I don't think he's retiring. Okay. I would be shocked if
1: – I'm calling massive BS. Is on it only
3: yeah. because of Bronny that he's not going to retire, or is it more to with him? Well, then? I think he also wants the retirement tour. Like well, he yeah, he sure. wants he's he's all about that. He wants yeah. the victory lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's earned it. Frankly, he's earned it. And some guys it's important to and some guys it's not. I think he wants it. And Bronny's still 2 years away. Like Right. He's got to play 2 more years. That's true. to hang on for Bronny. So I was a little bit surprised. I was just getting ready to go to bed last night and I flipped on Twitter and saw the what he said because I didn't yeah. watch his post game right. and thought like, "Wow, I've yeah. never heard him talk that way." Now also, it's important to know he's very emotional after these And, you know, he has said before, when he loses in the finals, I'd rather not even get there than get there and lose. It's obviously he poured everything he had into this. I absolutely think he thought they could win it all. And that's why he came back from the foot injury when he did late in the season, Mm -hmm. probably a little bit sooner than he should have. And it just became evident throughout this whole playoffs. This is not the LeBron that I remember, like that I covered. That's not the same guy. But he's 38 and he's played like – the equivalent of like three more seasons just in postseason games. He's old, <laughs> like you know. Dylan Brooks was right. He is old. He's got a lot of mileage on those tires, and for him to still put up what he put up last night—forty points. Was he one assist shy? I think of a triple double. One assist
1: shy of a triple double. Stunning 40, 10 and 9.
2: at thirty-eight years old. I think he played the whole game. I think he played all forty-eight minutes. I think he when, sat for four seconds at the end of the first half. When, when you when you look <laughs> when you look at it, yeah. So you you got to look at his his body type, like so. LeBron is always going to be a person like Jason said like when you get with well, the further you get along right and you make it to the uh, Western Conference Finals. You start to envision yourself in the finals. You start to visualize it and, and great players need to visualize them having success. So when you do lose and you lose in the fashion that they lose to it's devastating because you're like we just lost to the Nuggets and they beat us bad. So we weren't close. So, you know what you got to do to even get to that level. And he's like, that's daunting in his mind. For me, the most impressive thing is the fact that he he got 40 points and he almost got a triple-double. But when you go back to his body type, I think LeBron, just being a genius type dude, he is, he's going to realize, okay, I got to go back in the lab and I got to recreate myself. Um, If I could get the same thing from Anthony Davis, remind you, there's a lot of pieces and parts that are new for this team. Yeah. And he, the
3: others played like crap. This was serious. not a good roster.
2: Yeah.
3: And now they fixed themselves right. in the trade. It was better. Volume. I it, mean, they, yeah, they, they beat f- Golden State. Yes. 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 But yes. this was, I mean, if you compare this roster to, like, the teams he had here sure. in Cleveland, 16, 15, yeah. 16, 17. But
0: Anthony Davis is, is a star, no? I mean, he didn't Anthony play Anthony Davis great. is a head case. But here's it. you know what's funny, though, is now, like, the, the Nuggets are so under the radar that we've spent
3: this whole time talking about the
2: Lakers. no, I get it.
3: And they're not, but, they're, there's nothing appealing or sexy about the Nuggets. Nothing. But, They've been awesome in the playoffs. They have been. Yeah.
2: <laughs> really they have
3: good. been. And in a way. And I'm a big Mike Malone fan. so I'm. He's done a I'm, great. He's, he's done an excellent the, job. He's a very good coach. I,
2: this, the, the story to me, the story, I, I, I don't understand. The story of the playoffs is the Denver, not the Denver Nuggets. They're the second best, right? But the Miami Heat story. Well, We'll get to that. Just, we'll get to the
0: Heat in a second. I just want to say this, because when I first say this, you can all think I'm crazy. But in a way, maybe you won't think I'm crazy. I don't know. In a way, Jokic is a lot like LeBron. In a lot of ways, he's nothing like LeBron. Okay. But in this one way, I'm waiting for this. he can dominate a game without necessarily scoring a million points?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. right. And
0: At he's the end very of the game, he's got LeB-
3: 38, 15, and 12, and you're like, where did that come from? Right. Yeah.
0: He played
1: like- objectively a terrible game four and had a 24, 13, and 14 triple double, and he was terrible. To his game standards. four, or game three, or game game two? He was terrible in game two. They still won.
0: I thought it was game three that he played poorly until the no, fourth quarter. No, game three
1: was the foul trouble. Game two, he played and just didn't score.
0: Oh. Missed all okay. his shots.
1: But he still had, at the end of the day, yeah. a 2014-12 like, triple He is double. such a
0: good passer, just like LeBron, yeah. right? Yeah. He's all He gets all these rebounds. Like, he's always in the right place at the right time. Uh, he's a special player, but he looks weird in Strange. a way. And so we don't – like, but he belongs in the conversation with, with – Certainly, the greats now, and
2: if they win this title, which I think they will, do you think they will? Yeah, Mike, you think you think they're winning, or you think the Heat are going to win? If, if the Heat win, is the greatest. I, I, I oh got, you God. got you got to go with the Nuggets. Like the Nuggets have been. By the prominent. way, if the Heat win a championship, is Eric Spoelstra the greatest coach ever?
3: He's not the greatest coach ever, but he's the greatest coach today. Like he, well, he's already. I thought had, that. No?
2: I thought that before. I mean, coaching this, this, I I text Earl. I said, listen, coaching counts, bro. Like. I know we like to say that these dudes bootenholes are and people getting fired, but this counts, bro. Like this dude don't have nobody. This is what I'm saying. These Vincent. Well, it's guys, like carried away. They do have they Jimmy don't, Butler. They do not have people. They got Vincent and 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 Dun- Duncan Robin. Like like come on. Yeah. They still have Jimmy
0: Butler, though. They got Jimmy Butler.
3: Yes, they've turned a lot of undrafted guys into good players. The Heat, the Spurs, and OKC are the three best-run teams in the league. And then there's everybody else. How did OKC join that group? Sam Presti. Mm. Sam's terrific. And those three. Emerson. (laughs) Yeah. Emerson College. Those three franchises, more than anybody else, they know what they're looking for. They can identify talent. And they can mine the talent and they can yeah. get it to play the way that they want it to play. Yeah, those three teams weren't anybody we can not
2: find one reserve, no. not one,
3: but Jimmy <laughs> Butler has been magnificent in yes. the playoffs. Yes. Um, and uh, what's his name? Grant Williams is uh, <laughs> how <laughs> many, how many titles would LeBron have? If he never left Miami, he would have that's a hell a, of a lot more. Well, than that's four. a fascinating question, but would they have had
0: the same players? Because LeBron is not, let's be fair. As much as we love LeBron, he ain't patient for and they developing ran into players. Golden
1: State buzzsaw. They like, did. He still would have had to go past. He still would have had Miami, to go through I mean, that. State. Yes. Yes. Right.
3: But I'm just saying, like Miami's not been to the finals twice without him. Like right. They, they, and he still had Bosh and Wade in the prime of their careers. He left them to come back here to a right. team that like, wasn't as what, good as the team he left.
0: You'll never know what the you'll, team would look we'll like never, now. We'll never know. know. And so, like, because I heard. I think. It well, was, you're saying because he he would have
2: had the great coach and the great GM, yes, as opposed and, and to it, you know. and a
3: fantastically run franchise, yes. one of the best. In much the better than the Cavs.
2: Well, well, the Kyrie, if you could say the same, if Kyrie but, doesn't leave, you Kyrie would have probably had four rings. Right. But Dan yeah, won't, won't sp-
3: Mickey won't spend the way Dan will. Mm. Like Mickey even has his limits. I'd still rather have Mickey. Well, Mickey stays out of the way, yeah, right. a lot of times, and let yeah. Pat Riley do his. Th- it's just I was just thinking about because like. I think it was somebody. I saw something on Twitter today about only four rings in twenty years.
1: I was going to bring that up. I'm glad. I'm glad you did.
3: Well, and it's such a nuanced conversation, and there's so much more to it than that because, like the the Maverick series is all on the Like he should have won that, and that's his fault. Hundred percent. And that's that's a big stain on him. Yes. But the flip side of that is nobody else has ever taken three franchises to a championship. Right. Nobody. That was the only nobody. finals he should have won that he lost. Yes. Yes. That outright. You could blame him and say he had a poor series that's on him. That Maverick series is on him. He should have won that.
2: And if he, and to be honest with you, if he wanted to, after 18, if LeBron still plays for the Cavs, they're still going to the finals. He could have went to the finals 12, 13 years in a row.
3: There's just a lot of mismanagement that went on that last year. And that's just, that's sort of the frustrating, unfortunate part that I, I just think a lot of Cavs fans just, they just sort of gloss over like, they still had a chance to win a championship they did. last year,
2: and they wouldn't.
3: And everyone was so focused on yeah. starting over it, it, that they just sort of punted LeBron's last year. And yeah, it,
2: they it. punted, and it was like, and then it was strange. They were like, "Oh no, we're not going to give up this Colin Sexton oh, number God. eight pick. What? Well, par-
3: I mean, we're really going to go down revisiting history this rabbit, point, but-, but real quick on that, the the mistake to me was trading Kyrie for a draft pick. There was no one at that trade deadline worthy of that pick necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that you traded Kyrie really yeah. for the draft pick is what I had the yeah, biggest problem
0: with. Is Bam Abadai Adebayo? Adebayo.
3: Adebayo. 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 Adebayo.
0: Is he, was he undrafted also? No, he was no, a lottery pick. He's a lottery pick. Oh, okay. He's so good, he's that good. guy. He's really good. He is fun to watch. Now, he's
3: and added some stuff to his game because he didn't have all whoo- this. Jokic's numbers on him are very good. Jokic has really done well I against think- Adebayo, but that's going to be a fun matchup.
1: Bam's really undersized for a set. Like, he's only 6'9". So
3: He's so athletic. He, I mean, he plays a he lot bigger than six nine. so much
1: energy.
2: Yeah, he looks he, like he's seven feet tall. It feels like he's because he's feet.
3: he's just broad through the yeah. shoulders. Hey,
2: and and uh, now, listen, the love affair. Of, hey, listen, hey, Boston, the love affair of Jason Tatum and Brown. Mm. This is they were dogs in games. This yeah, I don't know what's bad.
3: going. I I truly I don't know what's going on there. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good. No,
0: it's. <laughs> a, I mean, is
3: this going to be a sweep or a gentleman sweep? Oh, no,
1: that's, that's a, sweet. a
0: sweet day
3: up out of here. It's a sweet piece.
0: And then there's going to be, what, nine days until the I, finals? I think
1: they win tonight. Just don't Do you know. really? Yeah, and it, it goes against everything I think I believe in in the NBA with it, Miami needing or wanting to rest. I feel like rest, Boston's quit. Put in They're Boston dead. quit last game, and I didn't think they'd quit last game. But I do think after seeing Jason Tatum in this fourth quarter of game six and game seven, just – Give you one of those effort performances. Man. And Jalen Brown has that in him, too. But I he's been think. awful in the fourth well, quarter in this they series. They
2: lost this series in game two when he was pump fake and traveling
1: every other. I'm like, I know. Yeah, I, what and are you They lost you game doing? five of the last series when he was terrible, too.
4: But I've said since right
3: February, I thought Boston was going to win a championship. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really surprised. Yeah. By the
0: way, uh um, oh, my God.
4: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Oh, and now that they now they may not now they may have to blow the whole thing up. I'm just stalling for you so you can
0: I, remember. No, I'm sure. I I can't believe I can't think of his name. I'm losing my mind. What's his name? Who covers basketball for ESPN? Your buddy. I, it's even Windhurst. Exactly. Windhurst. I just couldn't think of his name. I forgot his name for a second. He's very forgettable. Uh, this has nothing to do with... <laughs> Kidding, Brian. No, he's awesome. As, as you know, But he was talking about Kyrie, and I just had to bring this up for a second. Yeah. Because he's like, Kyrie showed up at the Laker game, which I yeah. didn't even realize. Because yeah. Kyrie wants some competition for this max contract. I don't... Jason, I don't understand this. Kyrie is the biggest cancer in the entire NBA. And he's always hurt. Why on earth would any team? I know he's talented, but it's irrelevant. He's won nothing without LeBron. He's done nothing without LeBron. Why on earth would any team give him a max contract?
3: Because he's exactly what LA needs. Yep. and You know it's and, not going to work. But it, it'll work for a year or two. And that's all they it's all they care about. They've yes, they, got to, if you really think they're le- going to win a title if Kyrie goes there. LeBron, LeBron is already talking retirement. They have a very finite window left yeah. of in order to win. And he and LeBron knows how to handle Kyrie. And oh. all you need is a year out of them, two years out of them, max. And, it, yes, it's going to go off the rails. It's going to end badly. It's going to end with the building I, on fire. I, I feel but like if you can get a title out of it next year. I don't
0: think they're going to get a title.
3: I don't know. Well, well, they got the, this far. not
0: the same player. LeBron's showing sign of age. Kyrie never stays healthy. Ever. So, what's your alternative? He's a freaking bum. Well, he's a bomb?
3: Lakers have to do something. What's your alternative?
0: I, I don't know. So, well, it's not Kyrie. Kyrie, you can't win with Kyrie. What, what?
3: Well they can't he had the that biggest shot in franchise history. Once because
0: okay. they were so, because and he played great that year. I once him... out
3: of three times, because then they traded him. But, but Jake's everywhere he's out of gone, he made, everywhere he goes is that he makes things worse. Yes. I, eventually. Are you but all you on... need is one or two years out of him.
1: Are you saying because he only won one, you can't win with him? Like is that I just feel like at this point he's there's more negative than positive
2: when it comes to Kyrie. Sometimes sometimes in life, you got to go down in a negative
1: oh, road.
0: I would never. I wouldn't I, sign to him for the, get to the I, positive. It's, it's different. I wouldn't sign him for the league minimum. It's, I,
2: I'm, I'm, uh, these guys
3: are different, but it's yeah. the same. Jr. was a head case in trouble everywhere he went. And he came to Cleveland, and LeBron handled it. And Kyrie, I think, he's a head case in a different way. And he's even worse because yeah. he's just. And, and but he's but, bust and he's a more important piece. You're banking on but, him for more and paying oh, him more. He, JR became a very important piece of the Cavs. But, that's true. But Kyrie, LeBron knows now. And I think Kyrie now appreciates LeBron more yes, he does. than he did a you few years You know that's going to
0: change. Three weeks in, he'll be complaining no. to LeBron.
3: Ah, you, you you I do You can get a year out of it, maybe two. And that's so, all. That's all they're looking for. They're just looking for one and, or two and, and years. When, really, one.
0: LeBron's up it. in a year. I, I, I when, would have take any point guard in the league over Kyrie. That's he's not like, going to
2: work. I hate him. When, well, here's what, hate you, him, here's, hate what you, here's what you here's what here's what you got to realize. See, in our nice little small Midwest towns in Cleveland, we can afford to punt on things. Oh, we don't like his attitude. We don't want it. Oh, he's going to be a more of a problem than it's worth. When you in, in certain cities, when you will play, when you coach and you play for the Lakers. Their job is to go for championships each and every year. Yeah, I, they but my don't point care. is, I don't think Kyrie's going to help you win a championship. He's going to help you more than with why? T- what is he? Did? did he help Brooklyn? Did he help Boston? Did he help th-
0: Dallas? Went down the tubes. And Dallas
2: is not the Lakers. And then he went playing. with Boston's LeBron.
0: a big market. He went New put- York's a big market. He, it went where he, to go? He, he did was, nothing and he, he sucked. Was not I, playing with LeBron
3: was he? I agree with ninety percent of what you are saying. I do too. But I am yeah. telling you, LeBron is the exception. He's
0: different. I but LeBron. I think at this point,
3: LeBron. He's not the same player. And, they, and here's the thing is LeBron, I don't, he's not a one like at the level that he was. Right. You, you need LeBron in April, May, and June. And he just showed you the wear and tear LeBron, that comes with that. Honestly, LeBron
0: should just sit the whole season. And he should, <laughs> he should, I'm serious. Well, he should sit the whole season and then play the final month of the regular season. Well, I was,
3: I've actually been thinking about this the last couple of weeks. Yeah. The heat going to the finals is the worst thing for the NBA in terms of uh, gate load management and all this stuff. They're proving to you that it works. So if you want to fix this and you want stars to play all year long, you have to cut the playoffs to four teams cut it in half right only which four they'll teams, never do. which they'll never do but, but that would make how, the, the NBA would be so much better but that's that how you get the stars to play that's every right night. because right now with season with half the league making the playoffs and now the eight seed going to the finals they're just proving to you that it if works you, if, you, if, if, you, if you did get if they did get Kyrie I would play I would play
0: Kyrie for like 50 games I'd play ad for like 40 50 games and I'd play LeBron for like 20 games they'd still make the playoffs and then they'd be relatively healthy going in, but what are the odds? That LeBron, Kyrie, and AD will all stay healthy
3: for a playoff not But, you don't, but you, don't, you don't need them to stay healthy all year. You just need them healthy no, on April 16th. No, but for the 16th. playoffs, what's
0: the
2: odds of them staying well, healthy? they did this month. year. Uh,
3: listen. They did, they did it during the bubble, and they did it this year. If, no, no, if but it's,
2: with Kyrie. If it's, the, if it's the world of Transformers and Unicron come up and pull up and about to destroy the whole planet, Optimus Prime says, I can go get Hot Rod or Megatron. Give me Megatron, and I can use Megatron for at least four to five battles, and I can at least have a chance. But you can't come out there with Bumblebee. I, 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 you yeah. want Bumblebee? I'm taking Bumblebee. That, yeah. At least Bumblebee's got heart. Give me Megatron, Galvatron, and
0: Soundwave. Kyrie is the biggest disappointment in the history of the NBA. A- a- Anthony, he should have been a Hall of Famer. They didn't get that. That was cold. And, that and, scheme was Ky- cold. Is Kyrie going to be a Hall of Famer? Yes.
3: What you Come on. About? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what I need... you mean you don't? I gotta look at the numbers. I, gotta,
0: I haven't looked
2: at his numbers. I gotta joke. look at the numbers he Bumblebee. Hey, hey McNuggets, they be emotional. Ky- they be emotional. Kyrie's a bum. Look he makes y'all. teams worse. Kyrie is a definite. Christian Laitner's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but that was for when Christian he did in college is the greatest, in Team the of the greatest
3: college players ever. Is they, it, Stephon Marbury in it, the Hall of Fame? No. If, well, if Christian Laitner is I bet you has got probably better numbers than Kyrie. No, although I don't know that off the top of my head. He may not know. Marbury played a long time.
0: All right, we'll see you in overtime on the ultimate Cleveland sports show. What do we got in overtime, Mike? What do we got in overtime? Megatron. Uh, fun
1: topic Steve Becker suggested.
2: Oh, this is crazy. <laughs> we we'll see you in a minute.